in. What are you living in reaction to? We wake up in the morning and the last couple days it's been just beautiful. I get up in the morning and the blue sky and it's just, it's wonderful. And I think to myself, today is going to be a good day. And so many times because of our emotional makeup, we judge what's happening in our life based upon what's going on around us. If we wake up and it's dreary and it's raining, all of a sudden maybe we, we, we feel ourselves drop just a little bit. This sets the tone for our day. Our circumstances may set the tone for our life. But God never designed our circumstances to dictate how we should live. The Lord began dealing with me this week. He said, Greg, you live in reaction to your present life. You're living in reaction to your present circumstances. The physical realm, you constantly are aware and, and, and live in reaction to those things. But God was saying to me, he says, Greg, what I want you to live in reaction to is not what goes on around you, but on what's going on in heaven. I live in reaction to how I feel. I live in reaction to my surroundings. If things are going good, I'm doing good. I will have a good attitude. When things aren't so good, my attitude isn't so good. I know I'm just preaching to myself tonight, so you guys feel free to just listen in, okay? Because I know this has nothing to do with you guys. But God wants me to be living in reaction to the spiritual realm and not the physical. Jesus, his life was constant reaction to the Father, not the circumstances around him. What are you aware of tonight? What haunts your mind? What situation crowds out everything in, in, in life? What is it your physical condition? Is it how much money you have or don't have? Is it the pain in your body? Is it your emotions? Is it your meditation? What is it tonight that dictates how you live? I know so many times I'll be on a spiritual high from a Tuesday night. The next morning the enemy is right there to wake me up and let me know, hey, just let you know I'm still around. And you know what, Ken, I want to just, I'm going to stop just for a minute because I, I go see Ken and Nancy every Monday. I, I go up and stop at their house up there in, in, in Camp Nelson. And Ken said something to me last night, and he said he was at this, this conference. It was, I believe it was up at Bethel, and they were doing a healing conference. And, and he, was, he was there to get all he could from the Lord. And he was just like, Lord, give it to me. What, I'm here. I'm, I'm receptive. Whatever it is you want to do for me, God, I'm... Re and, and, and while this is going on, there's some people behind him. And it's like they're horsing around. They're just... They're not even hardly half paying attention. And, and God's blessing them. And, and Ken says, and I don't understand it. Here I am. I'm hungry. I'm a vessel. I'm ready. And they are just horsing around. And they're getting blessed. And I want, the Lord gave me a word for that today. It's, you know what? The enemy, the enemy has charge of a lot of this atmosphere. You know, he's the prince and power of the air, okay? And he will release, he will release, he will let certain things come through that, that if you want to call it that umbrella or that, pen, it, it, he'll let it penetrate because he knows that they'll go nowhere. 
But you in your lives, how many times have you been hungry and you thought, how come I just couldn't get what I needed from God? I will tell you exactly why. It's because you were serious with God. When you get serious with God, when you have that place in your life and you say, God, you're all I want. You're everything I want. You're everything I need. When you get into that position, the enemy will fight you tooth and nail because he does not want what is coming your direction. He knows that when it gets a hold of you and you get a hold of it, it's going to change the atmosphere around you. What are you living in reaction to tonight? I spend much of my time living in reaction to the devil, to problems, to situations, home, work, family, sickness, life, job, city, all these things. My, My problem... Or my awareness of it is greater than my awareness of Him. By this, the enemy has a hand in the direction of my life. I want to, we, we've, been, we've been talking the last couple weeks that we talked about fasting and before that we were talking about living by the Spirit. I don't want the enemy dictating how I am supposed to live. How I am supposed to react. I don't want to be reacting to the enemy. I want to be reacting to light. I know, again, I'm just talking to myself, and that's okay. You guys just hang on with me. Maybe you'll get something out of this, okay? The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. How can that be if I let the enemy, he has a hand or a role in setting my agenda for my life? Jesus lived in constant reaction to the Father. Constant awareness of the Spirit of God. I want just to, if I can, I'm going to use Bill Johnson here just for a moment. He likes to use this example. And he says, when Jesus was being baptized, it says the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. Now I want you to imagine, okay, this is a dove. I was going to get a little dove. In fact, Luanna, you probably have some little birds I could have used tonight. But I want you to imagine just for a minute, this this is, this is the dove. It's, it's landed right here. Because the Bible says the Spirit of God is upon us. He's in us and He's also upon us. He's in you for you. He's upon you for others. Okay, so I want the Spirit of God upon me. And if I had a dove on my shoulder, it would probably change the way I do business. It would change the way I walk. It would change the way I talk. If the Spirit of God or the, the dove was right here upon me and it was upon, and I knew it and I knew that I was aware of it constantly, it would probably change. I would probably be a little more careful about how I stepped because I wouldn't want to disturb the dove. I would probably be, I would be very careful what comes out of my mouth because I wouldn't want to disturb or aggravate my dove. And spiritually speaking, God is saying the same thing to us. The presence of God is upon you. He's upon you. He's abiding with you. But so many times in our life, we go through... You know, would, would, if the dove was right here, would I go down to the bar? Hmm. Hmm, man. If... If the dove was right here, if the Holy Spirit, and if I was conscious of Him, would I say those things to my wife? I would act differently. And God is saying that to us tonight. I want you to think about this example. The dove upon your shoulder. The Holy Spirit upon you. Every place you go. And it will also change the way when you go into a situation. The atmosphere changes. Because you know what? The presence of God will begin to permeate that atmosphere. 
What you're conscious of, you will release in the atmosphere around you. Jesus responded to the Father, not doing what the not he did not respond to what the devil was doing. Jesus lived in reaction to the Father. Everything must rotate around the presence of God. When we do this, we release the kingdom of God into the atmosphere. What you are conscious of, you will release around you. When I all I talk about is how I don't feel good, how I'm I'm hurt, how I don't like what someone's doing to me, how I'm hungry when I'm fasting, how I spend too much time worried about this, and my mind is all over these other places. I become conscious and aware of what the enemy is doing, and I'm supposed to be conscious of light. Sometimes when we walk in reaction to darkness, we begin developing a strategy. We say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm spiritually coming against these things. And we almost make ourselves begin to feel like it's a spiritual thing, that this is what I'm, I should be doing. No, we are never to, be, never to be walking in reaction to darkness. We're always walking in reaction to light. The devil may do some things. He may throw some, he may throw some darts at us. He may, put some, he may put some things, obstacles in our way. But we constantly, even when that happens, we just step over and we go, you know what, I'm living in reaction to the light. I'm not talking about some voodoo spiritualism. I'm talking about just living in the, in the presence and the, and the constant awareness of God in your life. The Spirit is upon me. I walk in cooperation with what God is doing. It's taken too long, though. Abraham, think about this. He was 75 years old when he received the promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. It took 25 years for that promise to come to pass. He was 99. He was 100 when, he actually, when, when Isaac was born. In the meantime, he took matters into his own hand. God's timing is perfect. Habakkuk 2.3 says this, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Hmm. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by faithfulness. I, I saw this. I thought, man, this is something. We, we, we hear about this in the New Testament. And it's right here in the Old Testament. But the righteous will live by faithfulness. He's, it's already being spoken back in the Old Testament. This is how we are supposed to live. In Luke eight forty three, the woman who had this issue of blood, she said, for 12 years... Now, I want you guys, somebody was talking to me even yesterday, and they were saying, talking about healing. And they said, you know, it's, it, it's got to happen right now. It's got to happen. This, if it doesn't happen, and I said to them, I said, so let me get this straight. If it doesn't happen exactly when you want it to happen, you're going to take your ball, and you're going to leave. You don't want to play that game. You don't want to join in with God. I'm telling you this time, God's timing is always perfect. He will do the most He can for the most people. He will get the greatest out of it every single time. And I will tell you tonight, listen, you may be waiting for healing. You know, Steve Hill, some of you guys know this, that he passed away, I think, two days ago. He was instrumental in bringing the Brownsville revival to, the Lord actually did, but he was the, the, the evangelist that came there. And he passed away at 60 years old. He continued to believe for healing. And today... He's healed. <laughs> Today he's healed. What I want you guys to understand is this. You know what? I told this person yesterday. I said, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You need to resolve in your heart 
that you're going to be steadfast. You're going to point your direction towards the Lord. And nothing, no matter of darkness, is going to come against that. You're going to stand where God wants you to stand. You're going to pursue where God wants you to pursue. You're not going to let the enemy get a hold of that. And you know that woman who had the issue of blood, so the Bible says for 12 years. Now, I was thinking about this. I told my wife this morning, I think about this, because the person yesterday told me, well, if Jesus was here, he would do it right now. Yeah, he would, but then I want you to think about this. Jesus was on this earth, and he was roughly 20 years old when this woman had this issue start in her life. Nobody, Jesus didn't come to her rescue. He was around 25, and she's five years into this thing. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if, this is, if, you have a, 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 if you're needing a healing and you're five years into it, that is a long time. One year is a long time. A month sometimes is a long time. She's five years into it. Jesus is around. She isn't healed. Jesus is 30, just beginning his ministry. She's still looking for hope. She's went to the doctor. She spent every money, every piece of money she has. She's cried out. She said, "God, I need, I need a touch from you." And I, in in those days, if you had a, an issue of blood that you were you were blood was coming out of your body, you were considered unclean. They would, no one could have anything to do with you. No one could touch you. So think about that for just a moment. Think about if you were living in that kind of a situation. Now Jesus is thirty. She's still suffering. Two more years she goes before Jesus passes by and she touches him. What I'm getting at tonight, guys, is this. We don't put the God in some box and he has to work it out just exactly like the way we think it has to happen. It doesn't work that way. There are times when we struggle, we, we pursue, we persist. And you know what? Sometimes we just continue in that and, and we still we cry out, God, please come. Change this situation. I'm crying out to you. Know this, that you have to, I told this person yesterday, I said, I want you to make up your mind right now that if you're not healed in even 10 years from now, will you still be pressing? Will you still be serving God? That's the mindset we have to have. It can't be, if I, have, if I don't get what I want right now, I'm going to quit. I'm in this for the long haul. God, if it means that the day my back gets better is the day that I breathe my first breath in heaven, then so be it. I'll, I will rejoice that day. John 5.39 says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He was talking to the Pharisees there. Knowledge will always puff up. Relationship will bring life. That's what God's calling us into, is a relationship with Him. Don't, you know, I, I love the Word of God. I study it. But I know this, that you can look in the Word of God. It is not going to bring life. It's only when the Spirit of God brings it to life and He draws us in. That's what we call out for. That's why the Spirit of God is what brings us into this place that we're at today. God wants us to live by discernment, by revelation knowledge, not head knowledge. It's difficult to exercise discernment if you're always trying to figure everything out, what God's doing. But when you are willing to say, God, I can't figure this out. 
I'm going to trust you though. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the revelation. Lord, I'm going to be comfortable in spite of not knowing the answers. In spite of not having all the answers to this. I will tell you right now, I don't have all the answers. I know one who does. And I know that if I get connected to him, he will work through me. But I will tell you this, I don't have some, some, some five-step or some 12-step program that's going to make everything right for you. You are not designed to come into this life to have everything all rosy. And then you know what? Just all you have to do is come in and, and, and serve God, and it's all going to be great. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and you don't have to worry about it. It doesn't work that way. In fact, sometimes it probably goes the opposite. Some of us think, and I'm just as a side note, some of us think that this nation has been blessed because we're smarter, we're wealthier, and we're stronger. But God has raised up this nation for one purpose, and that's for His purposes. Not to pamper us. In fact, I believe He's quite disgusted with our pampering. He has raised us up, this nation up, for His purposes. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole earth, and then, and it's as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. His purpose, His plan, that is what He's created through this, through this, uh, through this United States. We're not so great. Well, the only reason we have what we have today, you know, it's silly if you think about it, we throw away more food in one day than most nations could live on for a year. We spend more, $500 billion on entertaining ourselves. That's more than some countries' entire uh, 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 economy for the year. We will stand accountable for that, I believe, without a shadow of a doubt. And guys, that's why God is calling us. That's why God is urging us. That's why God is compelling us to say, listen, the time is short. I want you to get ready. I want you to preach that gospel. Scott told me this week, you know, he does a great job with the men in here. But he said, you know what? God's even calling. He says, listen, I want you to go. I want you to go seek people out. And I want you to, to drag them, pull them in, compel them. To come into the, to, to the Lord. To come to salvation. God is calling all of us to do that. Every place that we're at. Trusting God often requires not knowing how God is going to accomplish what needs to be done. And not knowing when He will do it. He uses times of waiting to stretch our faith in Him. And to bring about change and growth in our lives. This is God's waiting room. I hate waiting rooms. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not like going to the doctor and sitting there. I think they sometimes, they make me sit there longer just to aggravate me. And then I get in there and then my blood pressure's up. All because I was in the waiting room. And then the waiting room, you know, they try to do these things to make you feel better. They put some, some pictures or something on the wall and they give you some magazines. And all that does is aggravate me more. Because usually they're all women's magazines. And I'm going to a man doctor. I detest waiting rooms. But what God is calling us is into His waiting room. He's calling us into His waiting room. James 1-2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. I'm going to just quickly go through three verses here. I'm going to dissect them a little bit. We're going to go through a little word study. James says, Consider it pure joy. That word pure... It means all and totality. It says, consider it all joy. Consider it an all-encompassing. 
It literally means grace. Excuse me. It literally means intensify, it intensifies the word that comes after it, which is joy. The next word, joy, is the, is the Greek word kara, and it means extended favor. Literally, grace recognized. So think about that. A totality and intensified grace recognized. Consider it intensified grace recognized, my brothers, whenever you face trials. The word trials there is the word, it means testing, affliction, calamity. It's the same word Jesus used when he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the same word there. And so what I, was, I was thinking about this just for a minute. I want you to just think about this. So Jesus says that he doesn't want to lead us into temptation. So the one in James 1 here, consider it per joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, the one who's throwing these trials at us or these calamities or that word, the word affliction, all those words, those things are coming from the enemy. So we're, just be aware right now that all these things that come at us, God's saying, listen, when those things come at you, remember, my grace abounds. My grace is intensified. My grace gets greater. I'm going I'm to give you this. This is, this is Greg's uh, version of it, okay? So I'm going to just give you, I, I remember how I do this. I just give you a little extra side note here. It says, so consider it total recognized grace when the enemy brings various afflictions or calamities into your life. Hmm. Boy, that, that makes it a little stronger, doesn't it? There, there's a, I don't ever want us to, we don't ever take a verse and just go, okay, well, I'm going to base a theology or I'm going to base something on it. It's got to be backed up by another scripture. In Romans 5, 3, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering perse- produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. I want you to know tonight, just because you are tried, you're tested, or you have calamity in your life, or you have tribulation in your life, does not mean you have sin. It doesn't mean you're being disobedient. The enemy sometimes will allow these things to come into our life just to oppose us, to let us be tested, to see if we'll stand firm and where we need to be with God. Now, with that said, I also want to say, I'm going to flip it right over and say, you know what, it also could be sin in your life. It also could be because you're not walking where you need to be with God. How do we know which one? Here's what I always do. This is the rule of thumb I use for this. Whenever something comes at me, whenever something comes upon me, the first thing I do, and Lou Ann, was, we've talked about this because there was something going on in her life, and she says, I went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, if there's anything within me, if there's anything I've done, Lord, show me now, because whatever this is, it's upon me. And that's what we have to do. Whenever we come before, that's what the first thing I do, is when calamity or something comes upon my life, I say, God, is it there's something I have done? Is there something I am missing? Have I allowed sin to creep in? If I have, God remove it. And I'll repent before Him. And then once I've done that, and I'm walking in, this, in, in the path that God has set before me, then I know this, that whatever's coming my direction at that point in time, it's the enemy throwing at me. And it's just there to make me stronger. James 1.3 says, Because you know, that the testing, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The word testing there, this is the result 
of testing. This is what has been found approved. It's not just like taking a test. It's like, it's, it's like the outcome of that test. So because you know that the, this, this outcome of the test of your faith produces, the word produce there means to work down, to work down to the end point. So God wants us, because you know that this testing, the outcome of your life, of this faith, is going to produce, it's going to work something down into our life to the very end point. And that last word is perseverance. It means to remain under, to endure, to be steadfast. So he's wanting us. He's, he's wanting to allow these things to produce that in our life. He's allowing these things to come at us because he wants to see, to test us. What's the outcome of my life going to be? You know what? In the Old Testament, when they, when they marched around Mount Sinai for 40 years, the Bible, said, the Bible says, he told Moses, he says, I did all these things to test you to see what was in your heart. God wants to see, are we for real? Or are we just praising him because he's blessing us? Because the sun's shining today. Do we praise Him when it's raining? Do we praise Him? Do we consider it pure joy when all hell breaks loose against us? we got to consider it joy then too. Because we know this, that that testing of our faith, it produces perseverance. The last thing, and I, let, me, let, me, let me say, I'm going to, another one of my little side ones here, okay? So this is Greg's interpretation, so I'll throw this at you. Because you have you have firsthand, and, and I didn't use that, the, because the word there in James 1, 3 says, because you know. That word know is the same word that talks about that um, Mary knew not her husband Joseph. It's an intimate relationship. It's not just know like I know of Abraham Lincoln. It's an intimate relationship. So here we have this. He says, because you have firsthand intimate knowledge that the result of this testing has worked down to an end point which will be steadfastness and endurance. God wants to work all that through, through that intimate... You know what? This isn't something that you can have somebody else do for you. Your parents can't do this for you. You can't do this for your kids. It's going to take a first-hand knowledge of you walking through this to understand what it looks like. And I'll guarantee you, once you've walked through it, you will have a whole different perspective when you walk up to somebody else and they're going through it. You know what? You're going to have a whole different heart. Ooh, I know what you're going through. Mmm, that hurts. It doesn't feel good. I know. Let me pray with you. Let me fast with you. That firsthand knowledge is the result of that testing that's been worked down to the end point and it will finally produce steadfastness and endurance. And why do we want that to happen? Because James 1.4 says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now as I close tonight, I want, I'm going I'm to spend just a moment here because Paul re-emphasizes, excuse me, James re-emphasizes this over and over again. The word there says, let perseverance finish. That word finish is, is the Greek word teleos, and it means complete in all parts. Reaching the end aim. It's like a pirate's telescope. You know how they would, you know, it's real, it's real skinny and then they'd have to pull it out so they could see a long way away. It, it, it actually extends. So that word there, it means to extend. It reaches, it reaches to the farthest reach that it needs to go. So that word finish means going very, very far. It's the same word in Matthew 5.48 where he says, Be ye holy 
as your heavenly Father is holy. One version says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is the same word. So he's telling us here, let perseverance finish, be complete in all its parts, reaching that end aim that God wants for us, so that you may be complete, complete in every part. That word complete there, and this is the only time this word is, is, uh, excuse me, it's used two times. It's used in here and it's used in Thessalonians. I'm going to go in there just a second. But that word complete, it means to be complete in every part, sound. It's, it's used in Thessalonians 5.23. It says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. You're sanctified through and through. That word being complete, it means to be whole. It means to be in, in every area, every place. This isn't something we hear in our churches a lot of times. Yeah, it's okay. Just keep going. You'll make it. I know you got a little sin there. Don't worry about that. No, he's calling us to be holy. He's calling us to be complete. In fact, he, he emphasizes it so much. He says, through and through. The two words there, completely and entirely. The word used is only used one time in the whole New Testament, this other Greek word. So he doubles it up. He says, that completeness. He says, I don't want you just complete. I want an entirely complete. Ooh. Only time in the New Testament it's used. And, he, and he, he's trying to make an emphasis. He's double, he's double giving it to us. He's saying, listen, it's not enough just to be complete. I want you to be complete, complete. Entirely complete. Thoroughly complete. If you like me doing that to you, and then finally you go, okay, I got the message, James. I know what you're saying here. <laughs> Resistance is what produces lift. We were made to fly. We were made to soar. But if there's no resistance under our wings, we'll never take off. God has allowed the enemy's resistance to come against us so that when we just put out our wings, you know what? All of a sudden, there's lift created. If you, you know, a plane can, can actually sit in a, in a, out on the, in a field, and if there's enough wind, it'll actually start creating enough lift that it could lift up itself just sitting there. That resistance creates lift. The resistance in your life, the thing that you're facing, maybe tonight you're going, well, you know what? I don't have anything like that tonight, Greg. Get ready. It's coming. All right? If you don't have it tonight, the resistance is coming. If you haven't taken a contrary position, you won't have any resistance. But God's calling us to take a contrary position to the world. Resistance is what produces that lift. And you know what? God is calling us to be bride preppers. In the book of Revelations 19.7, and I close with this. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. It's the deeds that we do. So let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride, that's us, she's making herself ready. We don't just get zapped on the head and we're ready. Getting ready means that we're going to have to go through something. 
Getting ready for our fiance means that we have to get prepared. We have to get our clothes on. We have to get our, we have to get our dress ready. Some of us men, don't, we don't, that doesn't sound right, but I'm telling you, you know what? As the bride of Christ, as the bride of Christ, we need to be prepared. Through and through, he says, can entirely and completely ready. This, this message doesn't, doesn't permeate the atmosphere of, of the church at, at a whole because we want to go, well, you know what? We're, we're imperfect and that's just the way it's going to be. No, the, the Bible says that he's coming back for a bride that's spotless, that's, that's ready, that's readied herself. And, it, and I like the way John says it here. He says, she's readied herself. That means we are readying ourselves. And how does that come about? Through five things. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. God has given us the, these gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the, 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 for equipping of the saints. He's, prepared, he's getting us ready. And we have to be getting ready. We have to get our clothes on. I was reading, because Ken had told me he was, he was reading about Jacob. And I was reading about Jacob, and right after he left Bethel, he says, get, he says, get ready, get everybody ready, sanctify yourself. And then he says, change your clothes. I, I was saying, why would he say change your clothes? Because he wanted them to be not just ready on the outside, he wanted them ready completely. Ready ourselves. A bride that's prepared herself for the coming. The groom's coming. Tonight, as we continue worshiping, just this, this next couple minutes, I just want you just to come before the Lord and say, God, you know what? What is it? You know... Uh, have, have, I, have I become so conscious of the enemy? Have I become so conscious of what, what, the, what the enemy's doing that I'm not conscious? I'm not releasing into the atmosphere around me what, what God wants to release. Am I so concerned with what the devil's doing that I've got his agenda and, and all of a sudden he's directing my path? Or are the steps of the righteous man ordered of the Lord? That's what God's calling us to. This first two songs, I just, I just want you just to, it's, it's all about the Lord. Just begin to give Him praise. And then that second, the second song I have is, is a song you guys will probably know. It's Refiner's Fire. And God, that's, that's the cry of our heart tonight. Refine us, Lord. If we're going through adversity, then you know what, Lord? Today, I want to welcome it and say, teach me what I need to be taught right now. Lord, let me go through this so that I can be prepared. I can be that bride that's ready for you. Dressed and ready for you. Amen.